Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I promised an early guest. We don't do it often, but let's be honest. When your guest is a judge, you kowtow to whatever time he or she might be willing to make available to you. And so Tim Irwin, former Minnesota Viking, 1981 to 93, started 181 consecutive games for the Vikings. He is now, and he was a member of the now celebrated, it's all come back the last couple weeks, the 87 Vikings club that knocked off New Orleans and San Francisco on the road back-to-back weeks. The Vikings of this year are halfway there, and now he's moved on to better things. Juvenile court judge, Knoxville, Tennessee, for the past, I think, 14 years, and he's on the Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract Hotline. Judge Irwin, how are you? Great. How are you, man? We're doing very well. It's good to hear your voice. Still good to hear that Tennessee twang. You haven't lost it, apparently. No, it came back pretty quick. <laughs> and you were here a long time. I was. Yeah, I was there uh, 13 out of 14 years. So Let me – maybe you can refresh my memory on this. I was telling the story of after you beat the 49ers, so the second week. This is obviously 1988 on the calendar after the 87 season. Uh, you destroy the Saints, and then you beat the Niners 36-24. to 24. Pretty uh, thorough beating there as well. And uh, among the naysayers, among media uh, types like, you know, me, uh, was me as at the top of the list. I was in the group that said you guys backed in, you got no chance against the Saints, you won. I said you still don't have any chance to beat the 49ers, you won. And after the game, in the Candlestick Park visiting locker room, some members of the offensive line, and I'm trying to remember if you were one of them, decided to start trying to tape, athletic tape, around my legs to sort of make the point, basically, now do you believe. Do you, do you, were you in that group? I know David Huffman, the late, great David Huffman, was in that group, um, but I wasn't sure if you were one of the tapers. Do you recall it? No, I never got much involved in that taping stuff, but you deserved it. <laughs> I did deserve it, yes. Yeah. And, um, by the way, what people don't realize, what people don't realize about that season, yeah, is that was a strike shortened season, and after the strike, we won seven out of eight games. Very true. We talked about and that we pretty, with with good football team. Yeah. Well, you guys, I, we talked with Keith Millard about this yesterday. You guys, because the league ultimately decided to count the replacement games. And because Mike Lynn didn't even bother to try to put together a team, either because he didn't think there was going to be a strike or he didn't care. Um, ultimately, the Vikings lost all three, and those games counted. So instead of being 8-4, and four, which was what the real team was, you guys were saddled with the 8-7 and seven record, correct? Right. But you rose yeah. above it, obviously. I remember the, uh, the most painful thing about the whole deal is we were having a, quote, informal practice out at Normandale Junior College. And uh, I remember Jerry Burns showing up and asking us if we could just have Gannon for one game. 
And we looked him square in the eye and told him no. And we all stuck together. Mm. I think that's one of the reasons why we bonded into such a good team is through the unrest. We all went to a bunch of meetings with some guys, but we all stayed out, and then we all came back when it was time. And I think that was important for us, and it's an important part of our success. And that, we had some great players, you know, that, that made some big plays during that stretch, too. You're, you know, Millard made the same point, that he thought that that was a key reason uh, because nobody ultimately did cross. And he remembers a lot of really – tense meetings because he mentioned, you know, oh, yeah. there's some players that weren't, you know, were like minimum wage kind of NFL minimum wage kind of players who were saying, man, I need, I need the paycheck paycheck. He said it got pretty tense. Is that what you recall? Yeah. Steve Jordan and I were actually the player reps on that squad. So we were the union representatives on that squad and it was from pretty tough times. And Keith would remember because he was one of the ones in the meeting doing the most rabble raising. <laughs> what Keith doesn't tell you is the superstars were losing a lot more money than the average players per week. Mm-hmm. And that's money that they never recovered um, for those weeks they were out. It was quite a bit of money for some guys to figure it per game. And, um, you know, maybe I think with this new collective bargaining agreement, that class of guys that are pre-93 players, I think they'll get a nice increase in their pension because of the battle they fought back then. I think that's been pointed out to the player reps and the union knows how everybody feels. I think they'll get a good, nice living retirement bump what because do, of their work back then. What do you remember specifically or maybe especially about the Niners game? I mean, is it the old deal where it kind of built on its – you knew we were, you were good – and then you guys start feeling, all right, why not us? Why not now? W- what do you remember going into the Niners game, and what do you remember about the game itself? I think anytime you go on the road in the NFL, you kind of got to have this us against the world mentality. And, uh, you know, we got something to prove. Nobody thought we'd beat, beat them there. People weren't too sure about the Saints. They were just kind of coming into some prominence. And uh, they hadn't been very good in the past. But the Niners game, I mean, they were the ones that it was a big deal to knock them off. And uh, nobody gave us much of a chance. You kind of have to have us against the world mentality and, you know, look within yourself. It starts with every individual doing their job. And uh, I think that's the success. Uh, of course, then we went on and we lost a heartbreaker yeah. to uh, Washington. I can still see that was a bootleg right and throw him back across the field to Darren Nelson, and Wade put the ball. Wade Wilson put the ball right in there, and uh, Darrell Green got there at about the same time and knocked it loose, and that would have at least sent the game into overtime, or if not won it. So that was a tough That was a tough deal. I remember the lows. I remember the highs. I remember the only time I think we ever came back from the airport, and there were people there waiting on us, banging on the cabs when we left. People were so fired up. That was a lot of fun. <clears throat> Anybody that tells you that the uh, that the fans don't matter, lying. I can tell you, my 14 years, I heard every boo, every clap, every jeer, every hiss. I don't think it affected my play much, but it mattered. And the Minnesota fans were great. Uh, they weren't on the road with us, but they were great when we got back in town. It was it was a roar. It went by too quick. Yeah, it needed to last a week longer. So <laughs> the Redskins went on to beat the. Denver Broncos just clobber them, and we played the Redskins down to the wire yeah. in their stadium. So, I mean, I felt like we were 
uh, arguably one of the best teams in the league. Uh, it was it was a tough deal. I'd like to have it back. That was the closest I made it. But uh, it's funny that these Vikings seem to be taking the same path. And if everything goes right, that path could end up in you know Lambeau Field. It is. It's in it's the championship game. It could end up. And I can say this. I know one thing in my heart. It's incredibly difficult for anybody, even with a talented quarterback, to beat a team three times in a row in a year. It's really tough to do. And the teams know each other so well. So I'm just hoping we make it that far. How close? You, you've obviously moved on with the rest of your life. We're chatting with former Vikings uh, offensive tackle Tim Irwin, who played on the 87 team and for a lot longer than that with the with the Vikings. Um how connected do you stay to pro football? Well, uh, you ever see that commercial when DirecTV came out and Peyton Manning said, oh, yeah, that NFL thing, I want that? <laughs> yes. Pretty much me. I don't miss a game. I mean, I'm right there zeroed in. I don't go out in public. I'm sitting at home where I can watch it and yell at the TV. And, you know, I watch uh, – I watch the University of Tennessee, mm-hmm. Duke, because Duke because my son went there, and the Minnesota Vikings, and don't care much about. I watch another game from time to time, if it affects the Vikings standings. Other other than that, I don't care too much. I uh, uh, I still watch. I was up for uh, when Steve Jordan got inducted in the Ring of Honor. I was up there and got to speak a little bit on Steve's behalf. And uh, was up there that week in the new stadium. It's great. Uh, like to come back every couple of years. But no, I'm I'm true blue loyal to the purple. I I don't even remember my brief Florida tour at the end. Of the day. So. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did have a brief. Uh, 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 your career went on a little bit afterwards. But you're you're a Viking, right? God rest his soul. You can bring Dennis Green for that. I would have stayed for less money. He just uh, brought in Chris Hinton, who's going to be the all-world. Uh, he played, what, seven games? I remember that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I would have stayed. My heart wasn't in leaving Minnesota, but uh, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, you know. And, well, uh, you know, what's interesting about your career and what you've gone on to do, I, and I, I do have great admiration for a decision you made, and I'm not ripping people who wouldn't, have made the decision you did, but I think when somebody does, it's 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 impressive. And and I I, I don't know how many people in our audience have the backdrop because the kids get younger all the time. Tim, as I'm reminded every every day, you obviously have a very successful uh, law career as a as a defense attorney, and um, you decide. I think in 2005, you have the opportunity to fill out. A, the remainder of a term on the bench following the death of a justice on the court, on this juvenile court, and you choose to, you accept that opportunity. And you've talked about this before, that um, for you, as as rewarding as playing football was and winning the games that you did in the 87 run, the influence you feel like you try to have now, really trying to protect children, a fairly significant asset to people everywhere has been really rewarding to you. Can you speak to a little bit about that transition and what that has meant to you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, uh, if you look at it from a lineman's mentality, it's always been about protection. I mean, I was trying to protect Tommy first and Wade Wilson and Rich Gannon and a host of other guys. 
and now I'm protecting the kids. Most people don't understand what I do. I don't. Uh, I'm not uh, hearing too many children's murders or violent crimes. We have a very few of those here right. in Knox County, but most of the time I'm hearing kids that have been abandoned, kids that have been, you know, caught up with parents as addicts or parents that have gone to jail. I'm making a decision whether or not to terminate parental rights. So I'm making it better for kids that are in some kind of trouble. That's about 99% of what I do. So it's the same thing I've always done, protect people. But this time, I mean, do you have a lot better feeling in your life at night when you go to bed if you know that you've made a kid's life better that day? Uh, Or do you have a better feeling if you know you want a DUI case on behalf of your defendant? Or if you were doing some agent work and you got somebody a multi-million dollar deal, which gives you the better feeling? I can tell you it's the one that makes the kids safe. And it's a lot. Uh, it's just what I chose to do, and I like it. And I'm planning on doing it for a while longer yet. It, these are, these are I got to be, I would assume, depending on the case, these are agonizing decisions, right? When you're talking about judging whether to separate children from their parents, and maybe sometimes it becomes easy on the basis of what is going on in the family, but... This is tough. This is really serious stuff we're talking about here. Well, sure it is. I mean, you you mainly want the result that keeps the kids safe, yep. that's first and foremost. And then you want the result that's in the best interest of the child. After that, it takes some it takes some uh, brain power and it takes some commitment, and you have to sit and listen, and you have to be impartial. But you got to do what's best for the kid in the long run. And I've had a lot. Of, I've got a lot of great people helping me down here. I am there. They're a pretty good staff. And, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just something I feel like I was called to do. I, I enjoy it. It's nice to say you enjoy the work you're doing. You've don't also get me wrong. Right. I loved every year with the Minnesota Vikings. I love Minnesota. Love my teammates. Love the people there. Love the lakes and the hunting and fishing and the, everything about the Twin Cities. Um, but if you had to ask me which is a more important job and which is more fulfilling, I'd have to say this one. You've talked before also about how how conversant and knowledgeable you've With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Become, sadly enough, maybe even ahead of when it became sort of a national story that got a lot of attention in the opiate problem, right? And that that enters, uh, that occasionally, if not often, enters into the dysfunction that then you have to deal with and you have to judge as well, correct? Well, the one thing that, uh, one thing we've always been good at here in Appalachia, we've been great addicts. <laughs> I mean, when uh, Prohibition was there, we made moonshine. Yeah, We were the best pot growers. We were the best meth cookers. Uh, used great quantities of cocaine. Uh, but when the pill epidemic hit, we really hit our stride. We were the best in the world at that. Pipeline came right up through Florida, and, you know, we had a lot of people get hooked. Some of them in legitimate ways, more of them in illegitimate ways, and uh, destroyed a lot of families and a lot of folks. And I think 
with the education of the doctors and the good job that the doctors have done here cleaning up. I don't see as many pill cases, thank the Lord. Now I see the crystal meth cases that come in, mm. and that's easier under the law. I mean, you know, somebody's on crystal meth, it's pretty hard to determine they should be raising their children when they're active meth addicts. That's pretty easy. That's a pretty easy question. Right. Uh, what's being done out there to get them well? What came first, the mental health or the drug dependency, or is the drug dependency causing the mental health problem? That's the old chicken and egg question. I don't know the answer. I just know my job is to keep the children safe with all that going on. So and we do little things to help them through it. You know, you've probably seen the stories where we give them stuffed animals in my court yep. when they come in. They're sitting there and have to testify. And, uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it's something that's kind of cool. I'm sitting there looking at boxes of them now that came in. People donated them. The ice bears, the hockey team, mm. uh, bringing a big load in tomorrow where they threw bears out on the ice to bring to my court. So. Uh, that's kind of cool. So well, I, and as I think you point out, you you are a large man. You're tall. You're big. Yeah, I'm kind of scared. And yeah. for kids, that might be in of itself. Um, I mean, hell, you scared me half the time, you know. And so I, you deserve it. <laughs> so I could see where you, you you maybe want some help in that regard. I'll refresh my memory as we wrap up here. You so you started law school while you were playing, right? What what year did you start? Law school. I started uh, in 1985, and it took me four and a half years to do it because I, I had a day job that was pretty demanding. <laughs> and I went to school about half half of my education came from William Mitchell. Right. I think it's Mitchell Hamblin or Hamblin Mitchell now. It's uh, right. And uh, the other half came from the University of Tennessee. My diploma says the University of Tennessee, but I got my year long foundation work at William Mitchell. And then transferred back so I could go in the off season a little more leisurely after I got the main stuff. But a lot of people uh, that were very kind to me over there. I had to take a full class load even in the fall. They wouldn't let me take just one or two classes. Even but, in the uh, fall? Yeah. Uh, How did you pull that off? Well, the toughest part was getting there. You know what the traffic's like. Yeah. When you're going from Eden Prairie to St. Paul, Minnesota. Yep. At about uh, five five thirty in the afternoon, it's kind of kind of tough. Uh, but uh, I don't know. My test scores were running out on the LSAT, and I didn't want to take it again. And it was time to start. And Dan Radakovich actually was here one year. He said, "Well, why don't you start? You could do it." And uh, I checked it out and did, and it's worked out well for me. And it's uh, uh, it's been a great career. It's something I always wanted to do. And you can't play football forever. I think. It's important that guys realize that even if you retire after a long career, I mean, you're in your mid-30s. You, you know, you need to be doing something else with your life. If you don't need the money, you still need to be doing something else. I think that's where guys get in trouble sometimes. It's just, you know, thinking life's over after football. I mean, it's just, just starting. So uh, you just miss part of something that was fun now. By the way, I just an email just came in from a, an emailer named Mike who says, I went to law school with Mr. Irwin, great guy. Law school came relatively easy for me, and the rube within me offered to tutor him with some of the more challenging classes. To his credit, he never took me up on the offer. You, you obviously survived without his... Uh... Well, no, I mean, my first semester over there, I had a 4 and uh, made A's and everything, and I thought, yeah, I might be putting a little too much into this. Backed <laughs> off a little. Never did it again. <laughs> but, uh, uh, 
I got a great uh, part of my education at William Mifflin. I'm thankful for the professors and the and the students I went to school with. They were great minds. They were people that worked, and I thought they had a more practical application of the law. They understood what the real world was like. Yeah. And it wasn't so much about philosophy and what, you know, what is the right thing that might possibly have. It was what does happen and how do you get through the court system. Mm-hmm. I also externed at the uh, uh, attorney general's office at the Capitol in St. Paul, and I'd report there every Tuesday when I wasn't working with the Vikings, and, you know, we I went to DUI trials and wrote uh, uh, attorney general opinions and uh, went, uh, my name's not on the bottom of them, you know, you didn't get your name on them right. extern, but I wrote the things and went to the scales one time on Christmas Eve to watch fat trucks getting weighed in and checked over. It was a very interesting uh very interesting work and then of course while i was doing all that i was at uh today's hot new country k102 keey st paul minneapolis from all right communication station with is. my good friend mick anselmo there you go yes my former yeah. boss i know that yeah see how yeah. what what the eclectic tim Irwin, man you had you had you had feet in two very different uh cultures one would think the football locker room and studying for the law. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, they were different. Yeah. But uh, I, I enjoyed both things. I mean, I prepared to be a lawyer. I made scored well on the test and yeah. thinking I was going to be a lawyer and I get drafted in the third round to make the team. And, uh, you know, got to room with Wade Wilson for 11 years. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, was a, it was a good run. I loved every minute of it. By the way, we should remind Vikings fans that you coached Harrison Smith for a while. You know Harrison Smith I very did. well. I did. Yeah, I, uh, I'm afraid I might, might have made Harrison cry out there a couple of days. <laughs> That's pretty tough on him. Uh, <laughs> he, he had a great talent. We actually had to protect the other kids from Harrison in practice. He was vicious. Uh, he, he wasn't a mean kid. He was just a vicious hitter. Yeah, just a good hitter. Yeah, he, he could hurt other eighth graders. You had to watch his game. He was a, he's a great ball player. He played running back for me, and uh, he could tote that mail. He was quite the athlete. But then I got to watch him play in high school with one of my sons. Crushed me that he didn't go to Tennessee, but I understood. <laughs> it worked out well. It worked out well for him. Yeah, and I'm so glad that he's with the Vikings. It kind of completes the circle for me. I feel like I've given something back to an organization that was so good to me. So you mentioned Wade. In his development. You mentioned Wade, uh, who uh, was uh, probably the closest I got to a player on that team was Wade, um, and I obviously still didn't know him like you did. You mentioned you roomed with him for over a decade. It, it's it's still a loss a lot of people I know feel. How about for you? Yeah, it was tough. I was at the funeral and spoke at the funeral, and and uh, it just doesn't seem real. Hey, you got to be you know got taken from us out of the blue like yeah. that. And, uh, I was uh, good friends with Wade and his ex-wife Kathy, and yeah, you know, our wives stay in touch. And it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a blow. Uh, it's going to come to us all, unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh, uh, just try to remember the good times. Um, it was great to uh, see everybody in October when I came up from Steve's deal, uh, Steve Jordan's deal, and uh, it was good to see Bernsey out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love I love playing football for Bud Grant, but I really love playing football for Jerry Burns. I can tell you that. How come? And as much as I love those two guys, John Michael was the best mm-hmm. guy you could ever draw up to play really? for. I would 
I would uh, I would want my sons to play for a guy like John Michael and my grandsons. So I got two grandsons now, actually. So do you really kind of pumped up about them? Yeah, that's great. God, that's that's amazing. Twenty months and almost five months. So man, oh man. Uh, um, last but not least, your advice to uh, the Vikings as they prepare for 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 this game. What what's the what's the best thing for them to think about or Forget the X's and O's, just in terms of preparing themselves for postseason, this kind of game. And by the way, following up on, you know, the first shock, which was upsetting for them, the Saints, uh, what, about three decades after you guys did it. What's uh, the best advice you give? You know what amazed me about the Saints game? What's that? What I thought the single most important factor. I thought Zimmer did a great job with his defensive scheme when he moved his best rushers in on the inside. Uh, I thought I think the New Orleans Saints tackles currently are the best two offensive tackles in football. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they are phenomenal players. They build that cup around Breeze and just allow him to do anything he wants to do unmolested. And I thought moving those better pass rushers to the inside like that on the passing downs. And then it ended up the tackles got beat some too, but I thought our defensive line did an incredible job down there against a team that really hadn't given up much pressure or sacks either one. I thought that was a big difference in the game. And I thought getting Thielen back was, you know, it was nice. It was obviously keying on digs and it was tough getting him the ball, but having somebody else to throw to and then the emergence of our great tight end, I thought all those things were uh, huge factors. I didn't like Harrison looking in the backfield on that one play <laughs> and kind of getting, getting one snuck by him, but uh, yeah, I watched pretty close. I thought that was a uh, a great win, and the Vikings, you know, played to their strengths and got after them with the pass rush, and that's what this team has been about for a while. And great linebacker play behind them, and uh, you know, I think they might be able to do the same thing to the 49ers. I'm hoping for that anyway. You've not and, uh, you've not lost any of your football intellect. I mean, I, I like I said, yeah. if you say anything about the Minnesota Vikings, I'm on it. Uh, I'm on it. I think I would have liked to block, block for a running back like Cook. Yeah. You know, he, he, he was like a Darren Nelson with only power. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, uh, he, he got some, he's got some, he's got another gear. And uh, I think I would have enjoyed blocking for him. He runs tough and he runs hard. And uh, I think I would have liked to play next to Kyle Rudolph. I think I would have enjoyed playing next to him. I love playing next to Steve Jordan. Uh, Kyle Rudolph is more of a combination guy. He's a lot better blocker than Steve was, but he can, you know, he's a big guy too, and he can make those elevator catches. And that was not interference in any way, shape, or form, by the way, in Minnesota. Don't feel bad about anything, people. That was not interference, offensive interference on that last play. Matter of fact, I thought it could have been called the other way. The guy had hold of his arm, tugging on him. So uh, I don't know what the. Uh, I think people are just looking for something to cry about in New Orleans, and they're playing for a national championship Monday night anyway. That's true. They don't need anything else good happening to them right now. We need it. No. Uh, I hope these guys, if I could tell these guys on the team one thing, it's a cliche, and I hate to use cliches, but my thing I would tell them is leave it all on the field because you never know when you're going to get there again. Leave it all on the field. And, uh, if you do that, no matter what the result, you know you gave it everything you had. You come in, you go to sleep at night, and you feel like, okay, I did what I could do. Uh, if you don't do that, then you'll be haunted for the rest of your life. Leave it all on the field. 
Maybe, maybe Judge Irwin, maybe uh, Mike Zimmer should fly you in to San Francisco to give the give the speech the night before. That's pretty good stuff right there. Maybe he should have you come in. Well, I'm available. <laughs> great to catch. Great to catch up with you. I'm glad you're doing so well. Uh, and uh, it, it, as I said, we appreciate you giving us the extended time, man. We'll uh, we'll be in. T- hey, who knows if if they make it to the bowl. Maybe we'll try to catch up with you again Super Bowl week as well because then we'll be calling everybody. I understand. Well, thank you guys for thinking of me. It's kind of, it's awful kind of you to remember me. It's been a long time since I got to wear the purple, but it'll always be a big part of my life and say hello to everybody, uh, everybody around. And I wish everybody in the Twin Cities Happy New Year and Skull Vikings. Will do. Thanks again, Judge. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Take care. That's Tim Irwin. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.